0: All right, y'all. Welcome to the Georgia Show. We're live on Dogs HQ. Uh, If you don't follow this channel already, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do it because we got a brand new dog in the house. You might have heard of him. His name is Jake Rowe. and Jake, uh, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Welcome to the team. We're fired up to see you, fired up to uh, be working alongside you. I know you've had a lot of time to Observed the team over the last few months. You know, I didn't cover Georgia during its national championship run as a journalist. You had the off season off, so with our powers combined, who better to talk about Georgia football than us?
1: I thought you were about to drop a Captain Planet on me with our powers combined. I don't know how many people remember that show. I remember it. I remember yeah. it. Yeah, wind Water Heart, all that stuff. But man, I'm I'm so excited. Uh, you know, I, I had a restful, um, you know, seven months basically. Uh, you know, I took some time off and, uh, you know, I knew that I didn't want to get back into this until at least the kids went back to school. And, um, you know, I, I had, I mean, I did a lot of cool stuff, dude. I really did. I got hacked on Twitter. That was awesome. That yeah, was a lot uh, of fun. I remember that actually. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a, I kind of engaged
0: with the person that hacked you. Did you see yeah. that?
1: Yeah yeah I looked I looked through my messages. there were some people who engaged and some people who were really smart and uh, you know maybe one day if I write a book I can tell the story of how that was kind of a perfect storm on how I got hacked uh, because of who did it and what got said. It was really really a tough thing to kind of uh, to kind of explain uh, right. but it was really fun. I, I'm gonna tell you
0: if I didn't Google it, I would have gotten hacked too. I mean yeah it, it was pretty convincing.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. And but, you know, there were still plenty of people, probably more than than not, that treated it kind of like you did, either did their research or just turned it down flat. Like, this sounds weird, whatever. Uh, But I got I got hacked on Twitter. didn't think I was going to get my Twitter back. I really did not think I was going to get it back because there were so many people. There were so many times I sent it. They're like, we can't verify your identity. And like I was like, am I taking am am I taking like narcotics here? Like you haven't (laughs) even tried to, to, uh, verify my identity, but, you know, I went to the masters for the first time, you know, no big deal. Uh, and, uh, that was amazing Congrats on that. Yeah. I went, celebrated my 10 year anniversary to my, to my awesome and beautiful wife, went to Puerto Rico, went to went to had like a guy's trip in Vegas for the first time and got absolutely waxed at the blackjack tables. And you survived and you're back in one piece. I made it. I barely dude. I shuffled through that entire airport, like I was getting ready to go play a Sunday afternoon bocce ball game at a retirement center in Florida. It was bad. And then, uh, took the kids to Disney world, uh, went on vacation. I got COVID for the first time. That was a Ooh, blast. Yeah. Dude, I had a two week beach treat trip planned. I, I grew up and I knew all these people that kind of had these timeshares. Right. And, and they, they had all these, you know, that they, they would go to the week to the beach for a month at a time or two weeks at a time. I was like, man, you know, one of these days I'm going to go to the beach for two weeks at a time. And you can't really do that when you're, you know, doing this job. It's tough to take two weeks off. No. Uh, but I had it off, so let's do it. You know, so we, we our spot is Curry Beach, North Carolina. We were going there first, uh, uh, vacationing with the Irvins, Becky and Chris Irvins. Shout out to them. I know Chris listens uh, to a lot of the stuff. Up, uh, I Chris? do. We do uh he's my guy so uh yeah we we went on vacation and monday of the first week of the of the first week of the two-week beach vacation i get covid and uh it ruined the second week didn't even get to go do that uh didn't get to experience fourth of july because it was right around there it just sucked uh but you know i got it for the first time and you know here. Uh, i need, to, I need to pick
0: me up jake this is a pretty depressing story so far
1: yeah, well, I mean, I lost my taste and smell, uh, and it had the opposite effect on me that it does most people. Uh, because I just, I was just like, maybe I can taste this, maybe I can taste that, and then five thousand calories later, I'm sitting here gaining weight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was it was restful and it was awesome, and I got to see a lot of cool stuff and and you know spend a lot of good time with my kids, and uh, and that was great. But I'm I've been chomping at the bit to find somewhere to fit in, and and find the right spot for me since G-Day. It was G-Day that it really kind of sunk in. I didn't really miss covering spring ball that much. Um, I didn't miss National Signing Day, even though that February signing day is not that serious, not that crazy anymore. Um, I didn't even re- – and, and I was chomping at a bit to get back in, but I wasn't really sad about missing SEC media days. Uh, but G-Day, not being in the press box, when I felt like I was supposed to be in the press box, that that sucked and so I was glad to uh you know I was glad to find this fit to work with you guys um you know I've known Jake Roos for a long time uh I've known Palmer for a while but both of those guys interned with me at different points and um really made my life a lot easier and better and then Wes you know I, I can go back to you know back when you were doing the TV stuff and you know seeing you on Mondays um you know it was always good to kind of catch up it was, it was a different world man uh yeah You know, I
0: was, I really had no idea how this whole world worked at the time. I was so locked into, you know, showing up to Athens. It was different too, because I was based in Atlanta at the time. So I had to, you know, make that drive on a Monday morning, get in, you know, a lot of times I was bringing my own camera um, and I was probably not as able to kind of connect with a lot of you guys that were on the beat as much as I would have liked um, but I remember I sat next to you in the press box of, I believe it was the Texas A&M game, the last one before, uh, Georgia's last home game before the pandemic started. Uh, and I'd been on Marty and McGee that morning and it was just with all the coffee town stuff. And it was a whirlwind day. Uh, but of all people, you know, I'm, I'm sitting next to you and little did I know, couple years later we'd be uh we'd be co-workers so excited i don't
1: remember that one as well as i remember the the lsu sec championship game because i know you sat beside me during that one um that, that was one the season
0: gosh i don't even really remember that game i think it was because it was such just a a whipping yeah uh, I, I don't really recall well, you know when
1: joe burrow caught his own deflected pass for like a 13 yard gain early on that this did i mean didn't matter it wasn't george's day no no
0: really you know there are a few moments like that that happen in games where you just know it's not your team's day um, that one does come to mind and I would say really I guess the 28 to 3 Super Bowl when uh, Edelman caught that pass that seemed to be like hovering above the ground yeah. for a couple seconds parachute that was uh that was pretty wild too but yeah um, look man it's been a crazy career for you thus far and and this is just the latest uh twist in the road I guess
1: yeah man and I'm I'm so excited I mean you know I, I know he's probably not super comfortable with it but and I've heard more than one person say it's but I'm gonna steal it anyway when Shannon Terry reaches out you know I, I listen you know and and um you know I'm not gonna say that you know I mean I've worked at all three places that he had a big part in or founded straight up. Right. I worked at rivals. I worked at 24 seven. Now I'm at, you know, the newest venture and uh, the dude builds and um, he's, he's intense and you have to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to go and you got to bring it consistently um, to work for a guy like that. But I'm excited to be working for him and all of the people that have followed him, um, throughout his career, too. I mean, that's just going to be a blast. And we've had a huge day, you know, here. I- I've only been able yeah. to say we um, for, I don't know, what is it? What time is it right now? Since I've been able to say it since 1 o'clock this morning. So I've been able to say we for, you for 10 hours. You got that tweet off. Was that a scheduled tweet, or were you so I was up, dude. That I was, I was jacked. I was absolutely I was jacked. Um, I think I ate like a second dinner last night at like, you know, 2.30 in the morning. Wow. Um. But I was I was so fired up. I got a couple two or three hours sleep. Posted empty in the notebook, which is uh, a feature that I've been doing for a while, and and it was uh it was pretty substantial today. Probably the best one I've ever written, and uh, I was really excited to kind of get that out. Um. And then, but but Volquest, I mean, longtime Mac Daddy in the Tennessee market over to to uh, on three, uh. You've got um. You know, guys like Sean Fitz covering Penn State. Stud Shay Dixon, who covers LSU, stud. Uh, so many big time guys coming over, and I know I'm missing some guys too. Uh, Derek Young is another. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about kind of where we're heading, and uh, you know, we kind of all got a text from uh, Shannon late, late last night, and it was uh, it was uh, it was, a, it was a let's go type text, and uh, I don't know, maybe that probably contributed heavily to why I'm so fired, why I was so fired up, but it's it's hung with me all morning.
0: No doubt. Uh, A lot of people weighing in already in our comments here. Uh, Jack Matheson, great intern for our uh, operation here with the Ric Flair. Woo. Welcome Jake from Tomahawk 238. And uh, another uh, nice message from MAF 1824. Welcome Jake. Can't wait for Saturday to get here. That makes about 90,000 of us. Uh, Jake,
1: Wes, can we talk about what we're planning to do with this real quick?
0: Yeah, I was going to I was going to get your final thoughts on just like working in this industry, seeing how it's evolved. Okay, yeah. Looking at on 3 and with your experience, you mentioned the time you spent working for the other companies that Shannon started, but you know, where do you feel like on 3 is headed? You've had some time to look at it from a distance now. What's the differentiator here?
1: I think you know, having having worked for both, it's kind of a, in a way, it's kind of a meld of the strengths of those two different places. You know, I mean, um, you know, when I was at Rivals, you want to talk about community building and how strong that was, and and you know that did a really good job with that. Those those guys, um, and those guys that cover Georgia over there. I mean, Dash and Roddy and and uh, and Jed, um, uh, Jed, Jed, yeah, Jed. God, Jed's a great dude. Yeah. Jed was the only person that caught a fish on our fishing trip in Miami. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, they do such a great job of building community, and they get in there right in the thick of it. Um, I didn't think we did quite as – or put quite as much emphasis on that at Dogs 24-7, or we definitely didn't, um, you know, kind of execute it. Uh, But we did find a way to reach the casual fan better. I'm excited to do both of those things to the best of their ability here, and I think we'll do that. Um, and, and, and I think that that it mainly it's, listen, I, I don't want to try to make it more complicated than it is Wes. It's a, it's a new start. It's a new go at it. And this means a lot to me personally. You know, I mean, I was, I was talking with some of the guys yesterday and, and I've got skin in the game with this site. Um, and Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm really, really excited and committed to kind of what we've got going on. Um, you know, uh, gonna hold the senior editor title here and, um, just really, really humbled that I get a chance to work with some people because, you know, when when you when you work with guys like Shannon and Andy Johnson, uh, Johnson and 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 all those guys, and you get a chance to work for them again, you're like, well, they must, you know, like something that I did, and I don't know what that is, but I'll come do it for them again, then and, and try to do it better, and uh, I'm, uh, you know. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it and and kind of uh, art you know argue and debate some things with guys on the board and um, I'm I'm excited about getting. Yeah, we need, we need more I'm of that. No one argues
0: with me, really, on the board too much. Uh, maybe yeah. stuff about nil, but uh, I, I'm ready for you to bring the thunder, man. We need to we need to stir some things up over there. Uh, yeah, speaking
1: I, I, of the message it, board, sixty post threads with me having like forty of them. I, I'll take it.
0: Uh, speaking of the message board, if you're watching right now and you're not already. Subscribe to Dogs HQ. Uh, if Jake Rowe being there doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet, as I like to say. Uh, and we have a special one year for $1. It it just, look, I'm not in charge of the money, uh, but that's insane. That's crazy. And if you're not Give doing it, it, you're missing out. Um, yeah, as far as our vision for the show, man, uh, look, I, I think what you said that really excites me about this brand and about On3 and the fan sites in general is just the ability to connect with the fans. Uh, the emphasis on that, obviously we're still doing the best reporting. You know, we've got the best insight to the team and, and the best recruiting news as well. Um, but look, I've looked at a, a guy like Louis Grizzard as, you know, my North star in my career for a while, because, you know, he was able to use a sense of humor, but also relate to fans. And I feel like this site, and this role, you know, being video heavy, connecting with the fans that way, and also the message board, of course. You know, I think this just gives us an opportunity to bring that entertainment value, some of the lightheartedness. My view on all of this is, you know, and I don't know how many of you have had a chance to watch the new, you know, CFB Minute segments I'm doing this fall, too. Just as a big picture, college football is serious to a lot of people, and, and I get that. It's a serious business, but it's also fun, and it's supposed to be fun. And I hope this show can bring that element, uh, bring that flavor to covering Georgia football. And you know how that looks, what it looks like, production-wise. It will continue to grow, obviously. But we're looking at you know live elements on Saturday during the game, Manning-Cast style. We're looking at a post-game uh, live report as well Saturday evenings. We're looking at a Sunday evening show uh, and also a live Wednesday show uh, to keep you plugged in through the week. So that's where we're going to start, Jake. And uh, where it goes from there is anyone's guess. But I know it's going to be fun because our focus above anything else is connecting with, being relatable to, commiserating with, uh, just having fun with the Georgia fans who love the dogs? And now that you have a national championship, what is there to worry about? Right.
1: Right. And if I'm not mistaken, Wes, these live shows, um, most, if not all, are going to be converted to podcasts as Absolutely. well. Yeah. So if,
0: if YouTube's not your jam, I get that. The The audio from these shows and you know the, the post video as well will live on our YouTube channel uh, forever. But the audio as well, if podcast is your thing, you're, you're on the go a lot, you're Audio only, that's your preference. We'll take the audio from these shows, uh, from the Sunday night show, probably, and from the Wednesday night show, I would imagine. Um, yeah, because so much can happen between Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, I, I would imagine that would be what we kind of convert into audio.
1: Yeah, and then we have also talked about kind of doing a podcast only show once a week uh, that we may, you know, we may also have some different plans for that as well to kind of do some things down the road. Don't want to start. Saying too much because then it starts to sound like some promises we're making. Yeah, but, we're
0: floating some teases out there, but we're being transparent. You know, these are the conversations we're having, and and we're just gonna we're gonna find the best way, the best frequency uh, that helps you guys get the information you need, and 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 gives us enough material to talk about.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I mean, I hear there's a ball game going on this weekend too, so we might need to talk about that. Let's talk, I, it about that. It, Wes. It reminds me of when I went to the Masters. It's the first time I'd ever been there. I go, I take my golfing buddy with me. We go to the pro shop. We look around. We do all that stuff. We take all our stuff from the pro shop back to the truck so we don't have to lug it around all day. Uh, instead of shipping it back to ourselves, that was a little expensive. The line was long, and uh, all of a sudden we've been there two hours. And I look at my, and then we go grab something to eat and grab a beer. And I'm like, man, you know, legend has it there's a golf course out here. And uh, finally, we actually walk out there and get to see the course, walk the entire thing. But You know, that's where we're we're sitting here. We're sitting here like 17 minutes into this thing, and we got to get into Georgia, Oregon. We got to get into Georgia, just period, right? All right. So, the big thing this
0: week is (sighs) I feel like the cliche, the overemphasis on Kirby taking on his former assistant, Dan Lanning, but it's inevitable. It's something that someone has to ask about in the room. So, uh, I'm going to just start us off. We got some sound from Kirby, we got some sound from Dan Lanning. Uh, let's take a listen to that. And uh, Jake and I will uh, meet you on the other end of this. I a great
2: relationship with Dan when he worked at the University of Alabama and had a lot of respect for the way he went about his job. He didn't try to be somebody he wasn't. He didn't try to impress people. He just worked, and he grinded. And he really did a good job of uh, just doing what you asked him to do. And I uh, always thought he would be successful. Um, he helped recruit while he was there. and. When we had a job come open it was uh i think kevin sherry ended up leaving and it ended up being a, a no-brainer for us to bring uh dan in because i knew the value he had number one of knowledge number two of being around me i was very comfortable with him uh, and he had more experience so uh, then when we had an opportunity to hire his coordinator um, i knew he was going to do a great job you know schumann was here at that time as well and he and schumann were were really neck and neck the whole time and, and both took on responsibilities. Dan would be the first to tell you he would have never had the success here he had had it not been uh, for Glenn Schumann. And uh, that's what made the transition easier when Dan left was the fact that uh, we felt comfortable that Glenn would be able to take it over and do it along with, with Will. Yeah, I think a lot of people would sit here and say, um it's
1: not about that, you know, very similar to what I said about, you know, Braden, but there, there is, there's definitely some feelings of, you know, excitement for me to go play a team that I, you know, care about and was uh, a big part of for a long time. But um, that's not the focus. You know, it's it's my job, just like it's the player's job to to focus on the task at hand. Um, but I'm excited to go play a familiar team. There's certainly some advantages to, to that, but they have those same advantages. All right, uh,
0: so we have... Uh, gone a while jake without you asking kirby smart a question uh <laughs> i don't know how much you missed that or not but you can almost kind of see that he knows what the reporters are going to ask he knows this is going to be a question for you is it even registering as one of the top five storylines in this game
1: yeah kind of but not because of any familiarity or what the impact has on the game it's because if you if you remember back to last season, Georgia beats the pants off Arkansas, one of the coolest moments of the college football season for me was offensive of linemen, defensive linemen, players in general who'd had no, you know, interaction with this guy in practice at all were coming up and talking to Sam Pittman. And they wanted to kind of, have a little FaceTime with him for a second. And Pittman was having it. After getting his pants beat off, he he wanted it. He wanted those guys to, he wanted to see them. Um, I think Dan Lanning is cut from that same cloth. Now, I don't think he's grandpa like Papa Sam, like like Sam Pittman was. Uh, but you know, he's definitely a guy that that was beloved in George's locker room. And I think that anytime you get those kind of emotions going, it's 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 sports, man. I mean, I mean, why do we have Tom Rinaldi, right? Because of emotions. And you know, make I'm gonna I mean Don't I may make cry them in them one cry. of these post-game stories by the end of the year. That's my goal. I want to try to cry in one of them. You cried right in the mail, the uh notebook, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did, I cried while I was writing it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the emotional aspect of this whole thing because it just ramps it up to another level, and and I I think that is that is definitely a storyline. I but the familiarity, I mean, I nothing. You know, Todd Monkman going against Dan Landing, Dan Landing going against Todd Monkman. You know, six one half dozen the other. It comes down to whether your guys can execute. Who's going to have eye discipline? Who's going to be where they're supposed to be and do what they're coached to do? That's that's the beginning and end of it and uh ultimately too it matters how deep and how talented your roster is yeah no doubt um you know for me
0: it's all about Stetson Bennett it starts and ends with him you know there's so much made about the defense we'll get to that in a moment um but we did hear from Stetson we heard from Kirby on Stetson you know I think after the national championship uh there was some wonder about you know a is Stetson coming back b when he decided to come back, why did he come back? You know, is is he focused on the team? Is he doing it because he's got another victory lap of NIL money awaiting him, or does he really want to, you know, try to repeat? What's your sense on the mailman been uh, since
1: that confetti stopped falling in Indianapolis? You know, despite, and I I mean, I don't want to make too much of this, it's emotion again, right? Despite the kind of the abuse at times he took last year from those who didn't want him to be the quarterback, uh, it didn't sour him on how he feels about the guys he plays with or about where he where he was and where he is and where he wants to be. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett, I mean, I, I don't doubt that the NIL thing may have played a little bit of a role in it. I, I know that it was kind of tough from talking to people to get him into the money-making mix there after the national championship game. He wasn't all about it. He wasn't chasing it down. Uh, but, you know, the money he makes from NIL this year, there's a decent chance, if not a great chance, that that's the last money he'll ever make as a football player. Uh, and he may get into the coaching game or something at some point, uh, but but I don't know. Uh, but I think that's that may be the last money he makes as a player, probably will be. Uh, but I think he just loves Georgia. I think he loves Georgia. I think he wants to come back and defend that national title. I think Stetson believes he can get better and you want to talk about getting better and what the number one, uh, prerequisite for getting better is Is thinking you can get better is, 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 believing you can get better. And that's where it starts. And I think Stetson can get better. I mean, I I think he's a guy that can make better decisions and, and, uh, and, and, and do bigger things on the football field. And, you know, I, I, Posted a predictions piece here a little while ago. I mean, I, I'm casually mentioned mentioning it there. I think this is going to be the most prolific passing offense of the Kirby Smart era. Um, I think he's going to throw for a lot of yards. I think he's going to run the ball real well. And um, I'm excited to see this offense because I believe he is experienced enough and has enough playmaking ability to make it the best offense that Kirby Smart has had since he's been at Georgia.
0: I love to hear that. Uh, here is Stetson talking about his preparation for Oregon and, and Kirby also underscoring what you just said about how much Georgia needs him uh, to be the guy this year. weird
1: watching like four different teams play football to prepare for one, you know, because, you know, the beginning of the year is always different and with a new guy and, you know, so watching a lot of different stuff, um, you know, Sewell's a great linebacker, Um, you know, both of them
2: um, gonna be great. Uh, The Colorado, Colorado kid, He's very good, very long, very fast. Um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm excited
1: to get out there and play somebody
2: other than number five for our team, you know. Um, consistency, uh, leadership, the, the things that you want your quarterback to be in terms of confidence, uh, coachable, um, and understanding how to use the offense to help you. I think you know, anytime you got a guy that's been in a meeting room for two and three years, uh, under the same system, it helps. Uh, but the reps help more than just the meeting room experience. You know, he's he's taken more reps with the ones. He's gotten more quality work against, you know, the best we got to offer. He gets to go against the best we've got every day. And I think that has helped his growth. I'm very pleased with what he's been asked, what he's done, and what he's been asked to do. And, uh, you know, we need him to play well. We need him to play well because uh, he's a veteran player now.
0: So uh, Kirby believes in him. And one thing that I always tell people on the outside of the media world looking in is, you know, does Kirby Smart have coaching slogans that I would qualify as coach speak? You know, keep chopping, what's important now, attack today. Yeah, I mean, he's got that. But when it comes to coach speak, as in I'm not going to give you the full story on this or I'm going to dodge that question. If Kirby Smart really highlights a guy, my ears kind of perk up because I believe yeah. what Kirby's got to say. I mean, he shoots you
1: straight. Yeah, he does. Look no further than than Ad Mitchell and Kamari Lassiter last year. I mean, I know Kamari Lassiter didn't really get his opportunity, but he's one. Of, he's going to win a starting job going into his second year. Ad Mitchell maybe makes you know arguably the biggest catch in Georgia football history. Um, you know, some may say you know lindsey scott and that's great ad's was a tougher catch in a bigger game uh with all, everything on the line uh but those two guys you know he they were highlighted at different points by kirby smart and you like you said whenever he kind of highlights a guy i listen i really do like it's one of those things that's like i can do a kirby press conference and i can be like oh well he said this about this if it's about injuries you know uh uh you know david marshall was day to day for like 18 <laughs> months so um you know, that's that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, but if he's talking about there are certain things you'd end up learning about a coach, and Wes, you've picked up on it, it sounds like pretty quickly, uh, whenever, he, whenever he singles a guy out, there's a reason for it, and, and it usually means a little bit of something. Yeah. Um,
0: one position group where you don't want to single someone out if you're Oregon is the tight end room. And there's so much hype surrounding that group this offseason – Jake, I don't know how they can possibly match it. It just seems astronomical.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really it comes down to I feel like Todd Munkin has like a little, a little bit of a, you know, somebody just gave him a brand new pair, you know, let's let's fast, let's, let's rewind this thing back to like, you know, seven, eight years ago. He just got a brand new pair of like top shelf corded earphones, right? They've got cord, you know, we're not going with the cordless kind yet. We're we're still in that. He got a brand new pair of them, brand new set, but he's just got to untangle. He's got to, he's got to just, every time he puts them out, he's got to untangle that cable. And that's what he's got to do week in and week out.
0: This is, this is Brock Bowers playing at a charity golf thing. (laughs) These photos are from uh, UGA Sports, but I mean, that dude looks like he could be in the NFL already. He's only a sophomore.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a stud. I mean, and he's a little older for a sophomore. I mean, I think he's, I think he may be 20 already, maybe 20, maybe pushing 21. I don't know, but he is, he is a big time football player and he didn't just come out of nowhere. Again, Kirby's another guy, Kirby Smart singled out last year in preseason camp. Uh, He didn't just come out of nowhere, but I don't think anybody saw it quite happening the way it did. Uh, And you know, it's going to be tough to top that, Wes. It's going to be really tough to top that, and it's going to be tough to top it because he's going to have Darnell Washington healthy for an entire – you know, maybe for an entire football season, at the very least to start the season. Oscar Delp has – go read him the end of the notebook on Oscar Delp. I don't want to give that away, uh, but I wrote some stuff about kind of how the last couple of weeks have gone for him. Eric Gilbert is always out there, and if he can kind of – get it there and keep it there consistently, big-time, big-time talent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Georgia's tight end room is loaded, and it's just a matter of figuring out, all right, how many of these guys can you use, and how do you use them to the best of their ability? And I think a lot of that kind of comes out in the wash when you start talking about competition.
0: Speaking of uh, competition, uh, Nolan Smith is a guy who's gone up against these tight ends day in and day out in practice, If anyone knows what to expect from him, it's Nolan. Uh, Here he is.
2: Man, it's a three-headed monster. I mean, you go from a
1: reed, covering a reed, then you got to go fight Darnell down there in the box, but also Darnell, they'll shift out. and I mean, I I just say Cody Martin (coughs) is having a field day just because, man, they do all type of things, with our tight ends, and they're all really good. In space, out of space, inside the box, blocking with their hands. And I, I give a shout-out to my dog, Coach Hartley, man. He does a great job with those guys every day, and he push them. Shout-out, tight and tough. Tight Is and Nolan tough. Smith wearing armor under his shirt?
0: I think he's been doing some curls. What do you yeah, think? Yeah,
1: curls, curls for the girls, push-ups for Nolan Smith, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, biceps for show, triceps for dough. I think he's got both of them. Yeah. Um, Our guy Palmer Toms caught up with the scoop duck, which is our on three Oregon site, Jake. Uh, We're going to take a quick pause and clue y'all into that conversation. Some Intel from uh, the ducks because who doesn't need more Intel from the ducks? Uh, Quack, quack, quack. Take it away, Palmer.
4: That tight end group. And and you look at Oregon with Dan Lanning there on defense now, uh, and an emphasis being put on that side of the ball. You know, how do you see the Ducks trying to match up with some of those big tight ends?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. And Lenny was asked sort of about that same thing at his his presser last night. And um, somebody brought up the point that, uh, oh, Florida and Tennessee and one other school that I'm going to forget did did a good job at limiting Brock last year. They had one catch and less than 50 yards uh, against Florida, I believe, and something similar against Tennessee. Could you – Sort of draw from that tape and um, kind of deploy a similar game plan. And Lanning just kind of quickly pointed out, he's like, "Yeah, that's great and everything," but they didn't win. So, yeah, you stopped Brock from getting his, but you still lost. So, it it wasn't successful. Um, and obviously, Lanning um, kind of like Kirby Smart. He's been really coy. And he's not going to give anything away. And um, why would he? But um, I, how do you go about defending Brock Bowers? Right? We were we were asking Ben and Williams about that today too. Um, one of Oregon's safeties kind of slash stars. Um, And he was asked, like, do you throw bracket coverage at him? Is that, is that something that like you guys um, could swallow your pride and do? And um, it's sort of the same thing. You, you can't just let the whole um, game plan fall apart just to stop Brock, right? There's playmakers all over the field. So you you have to figure out a way to stop him without um, pooling kind of all your resources towards him.
0: I think that's a great point um, for Oregon. I just don't know how you do it they've got some really good linebackers though uh and i don't know how much they pray but i would recommend they talk to the lord for a few minutes before this game as well
1: well i mean any any time you play a team with with more than one really strong weapon you have to pick your poison and you have to figure out okay i mean if you pick this poison is that is is the other poison going to be as strong and as potent as as it's ever been Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you pick the right one and you can survive, uh, you know, having to take the other. Georgia's maybe make some pick from a few different poisons uh, when you consider all, all of those things. Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can slow down Brock Bowers. You've got to spend. You got to give him a lot of attention to do it, and maybe you make somebody else beat you. Um, I know I would uh, as a as a coach. Like if I if if I had the opportunity, if I had to say, hey, I got to create a game plan to stop Brock Bowers. I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to make somebody else beat me because that cat can beat you so many different ways. Whereas even an A.D. Mitchell or a Ladd McConkey or a Darnell Washington, you know, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, DeJon Edwards, I don't think those guys have as many different ways to beat you as Brock Bowers does because he can run past you. He can make the contested catches. He can run through your tackle. He can take a handoff. I mean, he's just – he's a Swiss Army knife, and I think I would make it where somebody else had to beat me.
0: No doubt. Uh, Shout-out to Darius Sr. with the megaphone. Go dogs! I mean, everybody's excited right now, Jake. It's just an unreal time. Me, as a guy keeping up with Georgia, since I can remember, you know, I just wanted to see that a national championship could happen one time. I just wanted to see it, and, and I did. I'm fortunate that I did. Uh but there's already a lot of dogs starting to wonder, you know, how real is this dynasty? I don't think any Georgia fan has talked him or herself into thinking that this is a flash in the pan or anything. Uh, I don't think this is 2019 LSU. But when you look at what Kirby's got ahead of him with this game specifically, I don't think you can overstate how important this one game is to get back on track and and start to show people we're for real.
1: Yeah, and and I know Georgia fans don't want to do this, and I would never ask you to, okay? My wife, I'm a Georgia graduate, okay? I don't have to explain to you that the national championship meant a little something different to me than maybe it did to somebody who was covering the team and didn't go to Georgia. My wife is a big Georgia fan. She went to Georgia. I met her there. Uh, Double dog, actually. My kids watch the Georgia games and love the Bulldogs. My neighbors, my family – my, I mean, I grew up in my first Georgia game in 1995, okay? I wouldn't tell you guys to do what I think Kirby Smart wants more than anything in the world. I think he wants to go in and win this ball game and flush it. I think he wants to go in and win this ballgame and flush what happened last year so that he can do it again. Because what separates him, what separates Kirby Smart, and I'm not saying he's as good as Nick Saban, he's not. He's, he doesn't have that resume yet. He's not that guy yet. Maybe he can be. It's going to be extremely tough because Nick Saban may be the best to ever do it but what separates those coaches and the reason they get paid the way they get paid is because whether they're wired differently from birth or whether they learned how to get wired differently I don't care what it is they want the next thing they want the ne- they're, they're they're locked in on the next thing and the next thing comes after the even things even closer than that it's the increments it's the smallest increments possible of getting better and moving forward and doing better and and, and improvement and uh, I think more than anything in this world, Kirby Smart would want to go out there, win that ball game, and say, "All right, guys, we're on. To, we are officially. If you if you're not already on to the next thing, if you weren't, now you are because we've we've started the new season and we've got things back on track, and we're one step closer to maybe doing this thing again and doing something incredibly special. No doubt about it. Um, speaking of,
0: of flushing things. Uh... Don't worry, I'm not going to uh, talk about the bathroom facilities at Mercedes-Benz Stadium because I've had, you know, I've, I've seen some some dark moments for people in there during Falcons games. I've oh, seen yeah. people have some emotional breakdowns. Jake, uh, turning the page, Keely Ringo has been the the topic of discussion because he has the pick six against Bama, but Kirby, as you mentioned, you know, it's all about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. He pointed out, you know, how far Keeley still has to go. Uh, you watched him very closely last season. Was that play an outlier in comparison to what he was doing the rest of the year? He certainly had some bright spots, but I almost feel like that one play, as impressive as it was, almost makes this season the most challenging for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he plays the hardest position in, to me, in all of sports. I think playing cornerback is the toughest position in the game. I mean, you know, especially relative to the average, you know, responsibility of any other position in any other sport. Now, you may say having to be a, you know, office of guard and block – if you want to get into specifics, office of guard, having to block Aaron Donald one-on-one, okay, maybe that's the scariest thing anybody could possibly ever do, period. Or having him swing his helmet at you. Yeah. Or, yeah, right, or <laughs> outside of having the – you know, you know, do some real – that may be the scariest thing to do in sports, but Keely Ringo, cornerbacks in general, have the absolute toughest jobs. And, yeah, he got beat some last year, but I thought he held his own. And, and, and honestly, I would say if you looked at Keely Ringo's season, as big as that play was, I think he probably would tell you that he made – if he had to evaluate himself and his coaches had to evaluate him, I think they'd probably tell you there were a half dozen, maybe a dozen more impressive plays, tougher plays that he made. Because Bryce Young kind of did just throw the ball right at him. But Keeley did a good job of having his eyes in the right spot, and he made a play on the football and then, you know, did that thing that I've probably watched 2,000 times mm. since it happened. Um, and it was just an incredible play. Dan Jackson just getting blown up at the end of it never gets right. old. I mean, he he, he he served his purpose there, uh, whether he got blown up or not. Uh, but, you know, Keeley Ringo's got a lot – Keeley Ringo's got a lot – uh, of of meat left on the bone to get better because that's a big bone. That's a that's a. I mean, you're talking about a Patrick Peterson like talent, and uh, Keely's going to be working to meet his potential. I feel like for years to come, and that's while also being a really fantastic football player.
0: Uh, let's hear from Kirby and Keely on this game and, and on Keely's career. Honest with
2: him, I mean. Be honest with him, he'd be the first to admit, the, I mean, the play doesn't define the player, you know, and I think so many people and the fans, they want to do that, but that's he can't let that do that to him. Otherwise, he's limiting himself to plateauing where he is, and, and he, he can still ascend. You know, he's a young player. He's only really played two years of, of football with us, so he has a lot of things he can improve on, and he's worked really hard on them. He's gotten uh, so much better with his tackling and his physicality and he, he continues to improve on that. Um specifically the um the cornerback position, I mean like there's a ton of things that you can get better on, um better at specific, specifically um, playing the ball in the air, I mean like um just staying tight in coverage, being able to work your feet at the line of scrimmage, um, being able to get hands on receivers and just really being able to um, disrupt timing between the quarterback and the receiver. So that that's one thing, um, that's a few things that we've really been working on throughout training camp.
0: Yeah, uh, Keeley talking about the things that he feels like he can still improve on uh, a lot, according to his assessment and Kirby's. When we look at the defense as a whole, Jake, so much being made about the NFL draft attrition and you know the, the percentage of returning starters coming back. Obviously, it, in a vacuum, when you look at how Georgia statistically will take a step back, I mean, no duh. You're, you're not uh, exactly dishing out hot takes if you're saying that Georgia's defense is going to be worse this season. But worse comes with a little bit of context. I expect Georgia's defense to struggle a little bit against Oregon, but by the end of the season, even you know by a few weeks in, the amount of talent that this team has with Jalen Carter and Smith and all the Smiths, Nolan Smith, Christopher Smith, Tyke Smith, uh, uh, Robert Beal. I mean, there's still guys coming back. Um, yeah. What do you expect the identity – the uh, performance of this defense to be after losing all those dudes
1: i think inconsistency is to be expected because you just you don't you don't replace that kind of talent but you really don't replace that kind of like that amount of leadership that amount of accountability that amount of hunger uh to kind of Make the most of what was left. I mean, you know, Jordan Davis is a special guy in that regard, and he commanded a lot of attention The Kobe Dean did the same thing. Um, I think, you know, I don't say I don't think George is going to struggle from a leadership standpoint, but sometimes you've got elite next level leadership and sometimes you've just got good leadership. And I think George is going to have good, but not the quiet, the leadership it had last year. So what you do, what you, what you have at that point, And I thought the 2017 had some of that elite leadership as well with Davin Bellamy and Roquan Smith, Lorenzo Carter. Uh, I think what you run into there is some of those drives that would, you know, grab a couple first downs and then a team would stall out at the 50, turn into field goal drives and touchdown drives. And that ends up in more points and tighter games and things of that nature. Uh, there's there's just no possible way George is going to be better defensively or 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 even as good or as productive but i do think that in their own way they can be super impactful and super disruptive because i think this defense is going to be more explosive and faster man to man man for man than than last year's defense was and last year's defense was plenty fast but this this defense i feel like maybe is a little smaller but a little bit more athletic yeah, they, they got uh, that ability to move around. But do they
0: know where they need to go? That's the, that's the issue. Um, all right, so let's get into our picks for Georgia and Oregon. Palmer Toms, been covering the team, been at Palmer camp. Holmes. What's up, PT? Uh, let's get through and really break down what we think is going to happen in this game. I will let Palmer go first give you the honors we've all written about it now on our game by game predictions. Um, but it's the first game. So really not much to change between right now and when the game actually kicks off. Uh, so Palmer, what's in your head, man, what are you envisioning when you think about Georgia, Oregon?
4: Yeah. When I think about this game, uh, it would, first of all, welcome to the show, Jake, you know, happy to have you on. Uh, Excited to be working with you again. Um, You know, when I think about this game and I think about Georgia's, uh, you know, start to this twenty twenty two season, to me, it would not surprise me if the Georgia defense comes out of the gate a little bit slow. Y'all, I know y'all were just talking about that. They do have more veteran experience than some people give them credit for. I think a lot of people just see eight guys off to the NFL. They don't see the guys that contributed uh, last season. But with some of that inexperience, it would not shock me if Oregon came out and hit him in the mouth and, and it took a little bit of time for them to get in sync. But on the other side of things, I think that Georgia's offense is so experienced, so veteran. Uh, you know, a guy like Stetson Bennett, re- weapons around him, like those tight ends, the running backs, the receivers, a- an offensive line that's going to keep him comfortable, uh, you know, and, and be able to help Georgia move the chains. Um, you know, consistently, it wouldn't, I I think that the offense is going to be able to put up the points to withstand a little bit of, you know, pressure from Oregon and, and, you know, maybe a little bit more pressure than the defense put on them last year. Uh, You know, they were really able to breathe and, you know, kind of sit back and relax. Uh, You know, they still put up points, but I think that they're going to maybe have to put up a couple more points this week. So, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into specific score predictions here, um, yeah. What, no what do you, you guys, what think, do you think? Yeah. I, you know, I look at this game and I think Georgia is probably going to put up 40 plus points. Um, I think that this offense is that good. Uh, would not, I, you know, looking back at last season, the defense averaged 10 points per game, uh, you know, 10.2. Don't think that they're going to, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be in that territory again, but I don't think that they're going to, Uh, You know, be bad by any means. I think that 17, 21 points for Oregon this week, uh, it it would be uh, good for Georgia. And and I think that with the 40 plus points, 45 or so points that I think that they'll be able to put up, I got the dogs covering that 17 and a half number.
0: All right. uh, I'll go next. We'll let uh, Jake close us out here. Um, You know, I wrote about my predictions for how this thing's going to go um, generally uh, in a premium story at dogs HQ. And I don't see Georgia's offense coming out of the gates that hot uh, as Palmer does anyway. Um, I just, I think that even with the talent, even with Stetson coming back and Munkin really getting comfortable with his quarterback, Uh, I think the way that this offense has changed with the influx of the tight ends uh, with, look, Kenny McIntosh, by all accounts, has had a fantastic camp, but you have a different running back dynamic. There's just personnel changes on the offensive line. You know, things are shifting. It's game one, regardless of how talented they're going to be this year. And I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I agree with everything you all have said about how explosive they're going to be. I still think that they might be a little bit slower than we're going to see the rest of the year. So I think Georgia puts up somewhere in the neighborhood of around 30 points. And I think the defense does give up maybe an early touchdown, maybe has to scuffle a little bit uh, to get comfortable as well. But I still ultimately think that with the game control aspect of Georgia's offense, uh, Stetson running around, Stetson knowing what he's going to do and The uh, Bo Nix factor that we we are just now getting to somehow in this show, he just doesn't play well against Georgia historically. So for all those reasons, I know Oregon's offensive line is very experienced and very good. Uh, I still think Georgia holds Oregon to under 20 points. So I'm going to go Georgia 30, Oregon 17. Dogs don't cover. But like I said, kind of at the end of the Clemson game last year, how – it was a really tight game, but the way Georgia was dominating physically at the end, it didn't feel like a close game. That's kind of how I see this one playing out.
1: Yeah, I've got something very similar, Wes. Uh, I've got Georgia 27-17, and I just think it's because Georgia has a deeper, more talented roster. I don't really have a feel for it because there's so many different mixes and matches in terms of how things work out here, right? Uh, you, you know, you talk about um, – you know how is Georgia going to match up? Georgia's defensive line is really big, really talented. Is it going to match up well with Oregon's offensive line? Uh, Michigan last year, uh, you know, that uh, Georgia seems to answer those challenges really well. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I think Bo Nix is a hard guy to trust. Uh, I really do. I think he's a little bit of a hard guy to trust. I love Oregon's linebackers, I love you know. Dan Lanning's scheme, and Georgia's going to know it real well, but you know he's going to have some wrinkles in there. But I think ultimately the thing you go to is that whole who's got who's the more talented team? Who's the more likely to who who actually has a chance to blow the other team out? That's Georgia. I've got Georgia 27 17, not covering, uh, but but you know, kind of holding Oregon at arm's length for most of the way.
0: Good stuff, guys. Uh, appreciate that insight. I know there's a lot more that came from this weekend. A lot more of that came from with Jake Rowe on our team now. Very welcome addition. Everyone's fired up about it on our message board. Definitely encourage you all to take advantage of that one year for a dollar. Uh, premium membership on DogsHQ.com. Um, and Jake, I can't wait to see what you have in store. Can't wait to work alongside you and uh, take this show to new heights. Palmer, appreciate your insight. Great work with Scoop Duck. Uh, We did have a quick recruiting note from Jake Roos. Wanted me to let y'all know that Chris Peel will be at the game. uh, Top defensive back target. uh, Michigan trying to gain some ground, but Georgia's been the longtime leader there. Of course, this is a neutral site game. We've gone through that whole song and dance as we covered Georgia, Florida. So y'all know how that goes. Uh, Not a traditional recruiting atmosphere, but Georgia should put on a show regardless. Uh, Fellas, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. We'll wrap it up here, and uh, next time we speak, we'll know how Georgia started out the season. Hey, Wes, thanks, man. You're the best. See you, Palmer. Catch you next time.